Chapter 37 Back Sam stayed there, in that warm and happy place, for a long time. Very gradually he became more and more aware of his own body, still immersed in the warmth and comfort. His head pressed against her chest. He listened to her heartbeat and let himself fall into a deep relaxation, withdrawing into himself to the point where he could no longer feel her warm touch, where he could only vaguely sense her presence nearby. The rhythm of her heartbeat continued, however, if not in his ears, in the depths of his mind. Soon it became his own heartbeat, and then it imperceptibly changed into a lullaby of quiet beeping. Was there music? Faint music, from far off. The sounds of someone talking in another room somewhere. As he slowly emerged from the strange sleep, he remembered only a faceless presence who made him feel happy and safe. After a few moments, he opened his eyes, his eyelids fluttering in the sudden and blurry light. Closing them and squeezing them tightly shut, he opened them again to try to make out his surroundings. He was laying in a bed. There was a chair, a drawn curtain, a desk. He wanted to turn his head to look around, but the slight turn of his neck caused a sharp pain to go down his back, and he inhaled audibly. There was a rustle of paper to his right, and the short squeaking of chair legs being pushed back. Sam? Though different, the voice brought him that same feeling of comfort and safety that he had remembered from before. It hurt his neck and his back, but he didn't care. He turned his head to see her. Sam, are you awake? She leaned over him and put her hand on his. He felt the warmth of her touch and gathered up the strength to speak. His voice came out in a ragged whisper. Do you remember me? Megan's eyes blurred with tears as she smiled, nodded, and squeezed his hand. I'll always remember you, Sam. As Sam lay there, bleary-eyed but inquisitive, Megan told him what had happened. The realization that Sam's memory had not slipped from their minds and the subsequent horror that he was not in the clearing the frigid, frantic race to the canyon floor, and the joy of finding his tiny body, broken but still breathing. She described his injuries, broken vertebra, and a severe concussion, along with a multitude of scrapes, cuts, and bruises, how the doctors prepared them for the worst, and how slowly time went by in the waiting room as they waited. She told him how they were able to bring him back to a stable condition, how they came in to see him laying in the bed, bandaged and immobile, his face bruised and his body in a brace, sleeping. And how he continued to sleep, despite all their efforts, for more than two weeks. Was I in a coma, like Phil? he asked. No, she answered. The doctor said it wasn't like that. They said there was no reason that you shouldn't wake up. They squirted water in your ears and looked at your eyes. And they said that your body was just acting like you were asleep. They tried rubbing your chest really hard, stuff that was supposed to wake you up, but you just stayed asleep. So they were worried about brain damage from you hitting your head, and they said all they could do was wait and see if you could wake up. They just took the back brace off two days ago. You looked tons better than before, but you just wouldn't wake up until now. Sam lay quietly for a few moments, apparently absorbing it all. Then he slowly lifted his head and looked around the room. Is anybody else here? The nurse is calling them. They'll probably be here soon. We've all been worried about you. Is Vicky coming? 
Megan dropped her eyes. I don't know. She told him that Vicky had returned the day after he fell, but that it was clear that she was not back to stay. She quit her job at the hospital and began moving out. When Howard pleaded with her to take more time to think about it, she told him that Sean had offered to provide almost enough money for her to finally go to nursing school, and the rest they would get by selling her car. Within a week, her car was gone, and the room at the end of the hall was dark and empty when Megan arrived there from the hospital in the late evenings. After they both sat in silence for a moment, Megan spoke. I'm sorry, Sam. I don't want you to feel bad. I'm so glad you're awake. His still tired eyes looked over at her. Me too, he replied. Can I go home now? They said it will probably be another week or so, she answered. I think they want to make sure that you're all the way better, that you can walk and everything. What about school? Tomorrow's the last day before Christmas break, she answered. You should be all better to go back when it starts again in January. Will you stay with me? I'm scared of being all by myself. Of course I will, Sam. As news of Sam's awakening reached the others, they arrived in turn to see him, bringing toys and sweets which Sam opened gratefully, but with a heavy-lidded lethargy that renewed Megan's feelings of sadness for what the little boy had gone through. In the following days, as the physical therapist came to get him out of bed, onto his feet, and eventually walking around the room, a certain sparkle slowly returned to his eyes. But the cheerful boy Megan remembered from before had yet to return, and she wondered if he ever would. It was late Saturday night, and Megan and Charlie were sitting in Charlie's car outside Howard's house, having just gotten back from sitting with Sam as he fell asleep in his hospital room. Though she hadn't wanted to say anything before, for fear of jinxing the outcome, she couldn't help but feel optimistic about Sam's progress, at least medically. When do you think they'll let him go? Soon, I hope, Charlie answered. He seems ready, and with Christmas on Tuesday. I know, Megan answered, though hearing him say it was a bit of a shock. The holiday had been lurking on the horizon for quite a while, but the thought that it was three days away was sobering. I haven't really gotten anything for him, though. I feel awful. Hey, you shouldn't, Charlie responded. You've been there by his side through all of this. That's worth a lot more than a toy or something. You know that. Yeah, but I still feel bad. He's seven years old, you know, and it's Christmas. I'm willing to bet that getting out of the hospital is going to be as great a gift as he could ask for. They went in to find Howard sitting in the living room, reading a book. He asked about Sam, and Charlie had just begun reporting on his progress when there was a soft knock on the door. Megan glanced at the clock on the wall. It was just after 10.30. She exchanged a look of curiosity with Charlie and went back to the front door to open it. It was Vicky, carrying an overnight bag in her purse, her clothes looking rumpled and her face stained with tears. She turned her head with embarrassment, apparently unable to bring herself to speak. Megan pushed open the screen door and held it for her. She looked back toward the living room. Howard? Howard saw who it was and immediately set his book down and rose from the chair. Oh, Vicky, he exclaimed as he hurried to the entryway to meet her. She dropped her bag and went to him, burying her head in his shoulder as he embraced her. He gave Megan a look and she understood, gesturing to Charlie as she turned and went up the stairs. They both went to their rooms and Megan left her door ajar to listen in. A new truck? She could hear Howard ask through Vicky's sniffling sobs. 
Yes, he spent it all. Oh, Howard, why did I think he'd changed? I feel so stupid. Oh, Vicky, I'm so sorry. You still have the money you've saved, though, right? No, he, I had it transferred over to his account so we could pay the tuition, and I was going to go and register after Christmas, and he he said that the trick was a gift for both of us, and, and that he, he felt like it would be better for me not to go to school, and, oh, Howard, what was I thinking? It's happening all over again, and I, I... If she continued, it was hard to hear, as her words were lost amidst her crying. As the emotions calmed a little, Megan could hear Howard's words. Vicky, you'll always have a place here. I've got nothing, Howard, Vicky said tearfully. No job, no money, no car. I can't help with the bills, the groceries. We'll make it work, Vicky. We always have, and we always will. Megan sat back against the door jamb for several minutes, listening to Howard's comforting words as Vicky regained her composure. She heard Howard offer to put sheets on her old bed, but she declined, insisting that she go do it herself so that he could go get some rest. She heard Howard go up to his room, and several minutes later she could hear Vicky's slow, defeated footsteps as she climbed the stairs toward the empty room at the end of the hall. Megan silently closed her own door, but remained sitting there for a moment as she heard Vicky open the linen closet, close it again, and go back into her bedroom, gently closing the door behind her. As it closed, Megan realized that, for the first time in nearly a month, the house's population was back to where it had been for most of the past year, and yet Sam's absence made the house feel utterly empty. I miss him, she thought. I can't wait for him to come. And she hesitated at the thought of completing the sentence, of using the words she had always deliberately avoided. But as she looked around her little room, she couldn't help but realize that it fit. I can't wait for him to come home. The word echoed in her mind for only a moment before she was startled by the sound of someone running up the stairs. She opened her door just in time to see Rom passing by and anxiously knocking at Vicky's door. A moment later, the door opened and Megan could see Vicky's ashamed, exposed, and wordless reaction to seeing him for the first time since she left him, wounded and beaten on the entryway floor weeks before. And then... As she lowered her head and was about to speak, Rom stepped forward and without a word took her in a full, deep, and welcoming embrace. Megan sat in the back seat, looking out at the half-melted piles of snow in the high school stadium parking lot, wondering if the overcast sky would bring forth any more. Searching through the icy woods for Sam some three weeks earlier, her feet, hands, and face numb from the winds had soured her taste for winter weather in the interim. But she hoped for it now, if only to give Sam something, anything, to make the day feel special. It was Christmas Eve, and when she brought up her feelings of failure to Charlie that morning, he had once again reminded her that just coming home would be enough of a Christmas present for Sam. And there they were, in the back seat of Howard's car as he drove them home, but Megan dreaded the letdown that was inevitably coming when they got back. No seven-year-old should ever miss out on Christmas, she thought as she felt the cold outside radiating in through the glass. The discharge procedure at the hospital had, little by little, eaten up the whole of the day, and though the clouds had obscured any sign of the sun, the sky was beginning to grow dark. She had pooled money from the others to purchase the Star Wars playset Sam had ogled during that first trip to TGNY, and had fronted half the cost herself. It sat in her closet, lovingly wrapped, waiting for him to find tomorrow morning. 
but it was just one gift. After all he had been through, Sam deserved so much more. I'm hungry, Sam said quietly. Megan felt the same way. With the day's constant feeling of being on the verge of leaving the hospital, they had never actually stopped to eat lunch. I can make you something when we get there, she answered, trying to think of something to make that would have at least the slightest trappings of festivity. They crossed the landfill bridge, and Megan watched the cars driving by, imagining the people inside finishing their last-minute shopping or going to visit relatives. She found herself closing her eyes and daydreaming for a moment that it was her parents sitting in the front seat instead of Howard, that they were returning home to celebrate Christmas the way they always had, with a nice dinner, a drive around to see Christmas lights and luminarias, a night of television and eggnog until they all went upstairs to bed. Looking back on it, it all seemed so forced, so quiet, so lonely. She opened her eyes and turned back to Sam, who looked with eagerness at the lights hanging from some of the houses across from the junior high school. She despaired at the thought of them arriving at the house to find the same humdrum people, each doing their own thing. But why should it be any different? The house wasn't ever meant for a seven-year-old boy who believed in Santa Claus, but now it was his home, their home, his and Megan's. After all he's been through, she thought, after all that's been taken away, what else can I give him? Howard pulled up in front of the house and shut off the engine. Megan got out and came around for Sam, helping him get out of the car, while Howard opened the trunk and pulled out the bags of clothes and gifts Sam had accumulated during his stay at the hospital. The cold air bit at Megan's cheeks and reminded her for a moment of the fateful day on the bridge. She scowled the memory away and walked to the door, Sam trudging behind her. Megan reached out for the doorknob, turned and pushed it, and was greeted by the warmth and light of another world. The dreary weather outside was immediately cut through by the life, joy, and activity of the holiday in full swing. As they entered, Megan and Sam were greeted with Christmas carols from the stereo speakers and the delicious smell of ham. In the kitchen, Vicky, Susan, and Charlie were engaged in excited conversation as biscuit dough was being rolled out and flour filled the air. In the living room, Anthony and Rom were producing ornaments from boxes and hanging them on an already lit tree that was dwarfed by the number of wrapped presents that sat beneath and round it, while Phil set a table with more place settings than Megan had ever seen it hold. Sam came into the entryway behind her, his eyes wide with joy and excitement at the scene, and let out a voiced gasp at seeing the pile of gifts beneath the tree. Immediately there arose a roar of elated welcome as everyone came in to greet both Sam and Megan with eager hugs and warm smiles. Megan had just received a kind and gentle embrace from Phil when she noticed Vicky looking past her toward the front door with an expression of mild concern. Megan turned around to see Howard standing in the open doorway, bags in each arm, gazing upon the scene. Within a moment or two, everyone had turned to him in a troubled silence, trying to read Howard's strangely blank face. Howard, what's wrong? Vicky asked, stepping forward through the crowd. In response, Howard seemed to snap out of his momentary trance, blink a few times, and look down and to the side, his chin quivering very slightly. I'm sorry, I... he began, his voice catching. I haven't seen this house so... so happy in such a long time. Oh, Howard, Vicky said, her voice thick with emotion, as she stepped forward to hug him. Everyone in turn followed until the door was closed, and they all moved into the kitchen, living room, and dining room to continue the preparations. 
After helping Anthony, Rom, and Sam finish trimming the tree, Megan went into the kitchen to assist with bringing food to the table. Ham, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, cranberries, peas, almondine, and biscuits, and three different kinds of pies for dessert. As the food came out, the places around the dining room table were filled, one by one, until only Megan, Vicky, and Howard were yet to take their seats. As the final strains of O Come All Ye Faithful came to a triumphant finish on the stereo, there was a sudden, almost apologetic knocking at the door, and Megan, who was just closing the refrigerator, went to answer it while Howard came around the corner from the dining room to see who it was. She opened the door to see Linda, considerably less put together than the last time Megan had seen her, her eyes moist with tears. As she stood on the porch, the dark sky behind her began to finally let loose a sprinkling of Christmas snow. Linda, Megan exclaimed, come in. She stepped slowly over the threshold and stopped at the sight of Howard, standing at the other end of the short entryway. Several of the others had come over to see who it was and now stood behind Howard with awed reverence. Howard, Linda spoke, her voice strained with emotion. I'm so, so sorry. Howard stepped forward to her. Linda, he answered in a soft, comforting tone. Thank you for coming. Please, won't you join us? Linda stepped through the entryway and into the living room, where she could see the table overflowing with food and drink and the smiling, welcoming faces of everyone beaming back at her. Still, she hesitated in the entryway, a troubled look on her face. As Howard realized that she was not coming in, he opened his mouth and was just about to speak when, David, she muttered, apparently having difficulty keeping her emotions at bay. Howard responded with a quizzical look. What? His name was David. My little boy. My son. He was three months old when I jumped. He had deep, brown eyes, and and his stuffed blue bear always made him smile. Her voice wavered and cracked as she got the last few words out. Howard's response was simple and reverent. A gentle nod and a warm smile as he looked into her eyes with clear understanding. I'd love to know more about him. Howard took Linda's coat, and Vicky took off her apron as everyone took their seats around the table. To Megan's right sat Anthony, his eyes and smile shining brightly in the warmly lit room. To her left, Sam bounced in his seat, the joyful exuberance she had grown accustomed to, but which she missed terribly during his absence, returned to its full glory with the spirit of the holiday all around. She sat and looked, one by one, at each of the faces around the table, talking with, laughing with, and enjoying one another without any pretense or discomfort or ill will. And where a few months she would have been loath to spend time with them, the thought now greeted her mind with the excited anticipation that Sam must surely have felt for the gifts beneath the tree behind her. I'm home. Howard rose from his seat and held up his glass to offer a toast, and the room hushed. As he began to speak, however, it was apparent that the emotions of the moment were overtaking him, and he pursed his lips together in an effort to stifle the tears which began to roll down his cheeks nevertheless. Linda looked up at him, her own eyes becoming newly wet with tears. Around the table, everyone took their glass and raised it up to acknowledge the unspoken toast. And as though the support from all of them gave him breath to speak, Howard let go of the tightness in his voice and spoke with an expression of wistfulness and deep abiding love. I am so proud to know each and every one of you, he proclaimed, 
and Megan noticed his eyes lingering a moment on Rom as he said it, causing Rom's face to twitch a little as he apparently clung to his own composure. You have all had so much taken from you, and yet what you give to each other, what you give to me, is so much more. To friendship, he concluded, raising his glass. Just as the others began to move their glasses toward one another with the first murmured tones of assent, the word escaped Megan's lips, almost without her realizing it. No! The table fell silent and frozen, as all eyes turned to her with a mixture of confusion and surprise. Megan felt her face go flush with nervousness for a moment, but she took a breath, realizing as she looked over at Howard, his glass still raised, that it needed to be said. He needed to hear it. Holding her glass in front of her, she took a breath. To family. The table remained silent for another moment, as the words seemed to echo across it, and Megan worried that perhaps she had gone too far, that maybe she was the only one who felt it after all. To family, Howard repeated, his voice thick with emotion. And as Megan looked down the table from face to face, she saw teary eyes that heard choked voices affirming their heartfelt agreement amidst the sound of clinking glasses and creaking chairs. Howard sat back down in his chair, and after a spontaneous moment of quietly shared reflection, plates were handed around and filled with food. The room began to ring with conversation and laughter as the warmth and joy of Christmas dinner shone through the large living room window into the backyard, silently reflected by the peaceful fall of snow.